Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we are here, and yet, I don't know where everybody is. I just pray that you would lead us to the cross. Because when you lead us to the cross, we can see what you have done for us and how much you love us. You know, as as Kat spoke and talked about her situation, uh, she brought up anxiety and and worry um, and concern uh, for our loved ones. And and we, we share that. Maybe it's not the... The same person, because we don't know them, but we have loved ones, and we worry about them, and we worry about our own life, and sometimes we we ask, where are you? Uh, But you have been there, and you are there. You've been there in the cross. You've suffered so much for us. I, I pray you'd lead our minds, and our hearts, and our spirits to the cross, and when we're at the cross, uh, our hearts are softer towards one another. We are more open Uh, to your love and to love others. Uh, So please, Lord, not that you would lead us, but we would allow ourselves to be led because that's the big issue. I pray that for these folks. pray that for myself. Thank you that by your Spirit's power, um, you do lead us. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Thankful to our worship team for pointing us to the cross. Thank you, Neil, for that. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to be reading uh, verse 11 through 32. Uh, It is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Uh, It is a parable. It should be familiar to most of you. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, Before I get into that, though, let me say... You know, I started this series two weeks ago called Renew, and it is in Romans 12. Taking a break from that today, uh, the Lord put this on my heart. I think partly because of Labor Day and just the word labor, we can think about uh, our works or trying to prove ourselves with our works. That's something uh, that I fall into that I will uh, talk about. Also being Labor Day, uh, it's kind of a... Uh, a Sunday, you know, where folks can be away. So, unfortunately, sometimes I'm a little bit more open on those Sundays uh, than other Sundays. And so I thought I'd share a little bit more from the heart, some things that God revealed to me on the sabbatical. So I just felt like this would be a good standalone uh, message. I'll be talking about that we have uh, in front of our Heavenly Father, and we're going to see our Father in this parable, we have nothing to prove. And we know that... uh, We've heard that, you've been taught that in Sunday school, you know, saved by grace alone. I mean, I say that, but I really want to get real and use even myself as an example, because even though I knew that in my mind, I did not, or have not always walked that way, didn't really know it in my heart. But first, I have two videos, they're going to be brief, and they are some videos that we took on our sabbatical. And I show these not to be like, ooh, you know, look where we went, or uh, to try to, I don't know, I mean, don't read anything like that, but they are examples of what I call younger brother, elder brother, okay, Uh, in experiences that my family had. So the first one, let's show the video. Can we dim the lights? Because I think the video looks a little bit better. This is San Francisco. Okay. Uh, I love that uh, scene. He's saying, yeah, we love it. And like wind was like blowing in my face. And it was was the end of June and it was freezing cold out on that that pier. And I don't know if any of y'all have ever been to San Francisco. We were only there for a day. 
Uh, we drove over for a day trip called a Giants game, which was an awesome uh, baseball park, by the way. And uh, I love San Francisco. You know, if I could afford it, I might just pick up and move there. Uh, it is a great, but I definitely can't afford it. We did in San Francisco have dinner with uh, our own Saeed. Y'all know Saeed from uh, Iran, who is a member here. His sister lives in San Francisco. And she and uh, her newborn son met us out for dinner. Uh, I show you that video because San Francisco, I've always thought of, you know, if cities could be people, uh, I think San Francisco is very, I love the word indicative, like it represents uh, what we'll see in the parable, the younger brother. Uh, It's, you know, it's got a lot of explicit sin on the outset, like I'm taking all three boys and we're uh, in a neighborhood of San Francisco that's kind of combined Italian neighborhood and Chinatown. And I really wanted to stop by this bookstore where Jack Kerouac, anybody know who Jack Kerouac is? Anybody know who Jack Kerouac is? Nobody? Okay. Uh, well, he's kind of a hippie. He's beat generation, smoked a lot of dope. Uh, I've got, I've got uh, if you really, really know me, I've got a little hippie in me. And he was at this bookstore and made it famous. And he wrote this book called On the Road. So I really want to go to this bookstore. And I, uh, it's right in this hub of town and right close where we meet in Saeed's sister. But as I was walking our kids through, you'd have like a posh restaurant, and then you'd have like um, like just stores that, um, bars, and even sex shops, okay? Just right, I mean, it's San Francisco. I mean, it's very explicit, like, sin, younger brother. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, I mean, like I said, I, I kind of love that environment, just being there. And it opened uh, my son's eyes so much, I mean, uh, Ethan still says it was his favorite place to go to uh, during the sabbatical. He's like, I, I love San Francisco. He says it like that. And Jack, if you saw him, I mean, his eyes were just like wide open. Was, I mean, it's just a new world from, from anything, you know, we experience around here. So it's really good, but I thought of it as like, you know, and we're going to read this passage, but, you know, like the younger brother who goes to sow oats and ends up with, you know, the pigs and all of that, and it's just all lifestyles, everything right in your face. Uh, to me, that was San Francisco. Now, let's show the other video, and this is, uh, we're here on a Sunday, and we actually didn't go to church this Sunday, but we were at Mount Rushmore. Let's show it for just a minute. <laughs> he landed. <laughs> okay. So that was a Sunday in uh, Mount Rushmore, and you know, we're happy to share more. We drove San Francisco to Mount Rushmore. Beautiful place. Uh, as an American, I really uh, encourage every American to go see Mount Rushmore at some point in their life. And I hadn't seen it, and I'm, you know, 42. But I show Mount Rushmore because, to me, it is, again, that word, indicative of, like, the elder brother or the guy who does everything right. Um, I mean, even my response there, I was trying to think of, What's the right response from Mount Rushmore? Oh, yeah, it's history and beauty, you know? It's just like the person who has the right response, who does the right things, who has the right resume. I mean, it's about four presidents, you know? Four of our greatest presidents. Y'all know who's on Mount Rushmore? Who is it? Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt. And, you know, it's like being a good American, bringing my family to, you know, see this natural beauty and history and, and all that. But to me, it just seems like, you know, it's very, it's a good example of, you know, got to do the right thing. Now, I think that 
you know, take San Francisco and Mount Rushmore, elder brother, younger brother. They really, we have a little bit of the younger brother and elder brother in all of us. For example, like San Francisco, you've got a lot of folks who want to do the right thing and get their resume padded and work in Silicon Valley and all that and very high achievers. And Mount Rushmore, you could look at the president's lives and all of them had a lot of younger brother in them, quite frankly. I mean, Lincoln battled severe depression. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, he um, lost his wife and his mother. They both died on the same day, same day. And he pretty much went off the deep end and went to the Badlands in North Dakota. Jefferson, uh, you know, he, he's been in the news and, you know, he lived in Paris and had, you know, I think y'all know some of that. But, uh, but anyway, so it's like two sides of the same coin. All of us have a little bit of a younger brother and elder brother in us. Now, okay, that was good. Just an example, just to get us started. This is what's most important, though. And even if that might be with Ethan, thankfully, a little bit more entertaining or visually striking uh, or, you know, whatever, the Bible, God's Word, is most important. So let's focus in on it, and I'm going to read, again, this very familiar passage. It is one of my favorites, and I really believe it's one of my favorite because it speaks to every human being. Yeah, it was a bold statement, every human being on the planet. I think we've got a little of the younger brother and the elder brother. All of us have a little bit of the wild side on us. All of us have a little of trying to do things right. And I think this is why Jesus told it. It speaks to all of us. So, verse 11. Jesus said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of danger? I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, I love this, the son was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field... As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving many years for you. I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat 
so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, I love how Jesus adds that. He didn't even call him his brother. He said, this son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes. You slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So I love that parable. And often here at Bellwether Church, I usually teach on this probably once a year. And we can focus on the younger brother. And we have called Bellwether a, quote, younger brother church. And it has attracted folks who have gone off and squandered years and come back and turned around and I have uh, a lot to, uh, I guess, identify with, uh, and I've said this, with the younger brother, uh, and, and, you know, I've used examples and so forth. But today I want to focus more on the elder brother, and I want to focus more on all of us. We have more elder brother in us uh, than we would like to admit, okay? Uh, the younger brother is, um, he's easy to preach on. Because, you know, he's, he's gone off and he comes back and he's repentant. And, you know, whatever you do, wherever you go, you should be like the younger brother. Uh, but yet, there's this other guy, this elder brother, who's always been there, who's always done the right thing. And he gets very, very uh, bitter uh, towards this guy who he doesn't even call his brother and his father for throwing this party And he's like, I mean, I'm always doing the right thing, and I never get a party. And Jesus leaves it, and I actually believe why this applies to every human being. He leaves it where you don't know if the older brother goes to the party. He leaves it like a cliffhanger. And honestly, I think that's for us too. I think we can often miss the party because we do what's right, And we see others who come and receive the Lord and who get a party. uh, And we're like, man, I've been here and I've been busting my can all this time. And no one sees me. You know, God, you don't see me. And I'm trying to prove myself over and over to you. I have done the song and dance. Uh, I raise my hand or I walk down the aisle or I receive Christ, even though, you know, I may be working for it right now. And I lead Bible studies and I even become a pastor. I go on mission trips. I do all this. So I just get a party in heaven. That's, that's all the recognition I get. I mean, I know there's a party and I know the party's in heaven, but I'm not getting any recognition now. You may not identify with anything I said. You may be like, that's not you. I would challenge that. I think that's in every one of the, every heart. We want to be recognized. We want to be noticed. Whether by one another, whether by God. We want to be noticed for how good of a Christian we are, often. So for me, as I share some things that I received over the sabbatical, and not just places I got to go to, uh, but one of the big things that 
that the Lord revealed to me is I have a lot more elder brother in me than I would like to admit. I love admitting, I mean, I got, you know, younger brother tendencies or relate to younger brother, blah, 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 blah. I've said that. I mean, shell that. I got a lot of elder brother tendencies. And what I mean by that, and I'm only using myself uh, to, uh, to say to you that you've got the same thing. And we'll, we'll probably conclude, and I'll, I'll challenge you with that. But, yeah, for me, it's been like, you know, there's this thing that, you know, I've got to prove myself. I've got to prove myself to God. I've got to prove myself to others. I've got to prove myself to y'all. I've got to prove myself to my wife. I've got to prove myself to, it's just like there. And it's like cancer. Like I can't get it out. It's like a stain, this need to prove. Okay? How did I, how did I come to this? Well, I was, I'm part of this, uh, it's called a cohort. It's really a small group of pastors. There's six of us. Uh, all across uh, the country, and we meet four times a year. So I met a couple weeks ago, a month ago in Nashville, and they brought this Christian counselor, and, you know, he um, talked to us, counseled us, but we did these uh, exercises, okay? And this was one of the big things that revealed to me about so much of this elder brother trying to prove, okay? So he asked me a question. This was my exercise. He asked me a question. And I would ask you all the same thing, and you don't have to obviously admit it here. You can admit it to me if you want, if you know it. But the question was, what is your greatest leadership failure? And it's to me. What is your greatest leadership failure? Uh, yeah, and I know, newsflash, shocker, you know, I have failure, okay? Uh, I have failed. I was kind of trying to be sarcastic. I don't know if you really caught that. Okay, I have a lot of failures. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, Neil. You always, I don't know what we do without Neil. Okay. Yeah, newsflash, have several failures. But the greatest, the greatest, uh, I'm not going to admit specifically. If you want to know it specifically, I'm happy to tell you. But uh, the greatest failure, though, was it happened in the life of this church. So it was in Bellwether. Uh, not anytime recently. It would have been the first two years, the life of this church. First two years. And looking back, it was just a, I mean, it's not catastrophic. That's kind of being dramatic, which I've been known to be. But it was a failure. It was a, it was a discernment failure or a wisdom failure, uh, and it had repercussions. And, you know, it was, I mean, I, I chalk it up to a failure. So in admitting this failure, then the, the counselor coach would say, okay, so why did you fail? That's what I get to. I failed because I had this desire uh, to prove myself uh, to be liked, to, um, to be good, to be known, uh, to start, plant, lead, grow the biggest, fastest church possible in the city. That's being specific. Okay. Why? He asked me, Why? Because that desire led to the failure. But where did that desire come from? So let's go even deeper. You can kind of be like an onion in this. So that came from, you know, there's this old saying, and I heard it this week. I don't know who said this. Uh, Ernest, you're good about finding these things out. Um, The child is the parent to the adult. I really love that. The child is the parent to the adult. Meaning like things that happen in your childhood or your teen years stay with you and like the parent to the adult. So for me, well, I had this desire because uh, I carried uh, some shame and guilt. I uh, know that's, that's broadly speaking, but 
more specifically, uh, I didn't get accepted into every group. Uh, some of you teenagers, college students, like, I got left out. Um, I love David. felt like David when, you know, his dad chose all the other brothers and didn't call him, didn't think he was good enough, okay? But I felt left out of, of groups, of social groups, of clubs. Um, and this state, it's run, I mean, it's like social groups, clubs. I mean, whether you're, well, I mean, whether you're five, you know, and, or 20, or can I get an amen on that? Amen. amen. I mean, yeah, we know. It's just a big club, country club, social club. It is. So when you're left out of that, I mean, you feel like, man, I mean, I'm just not, just not hitting the mark. I'm just, just left out, you know? And so when that happens a couple of times, you know, it affects your psyche, uh, your DNA, and it, it does uh, stay with you. And if, if you can't admit that, and you're just, you know, you're just hiding, I would say. So because of that, then grew this, um, this that birthed this motto, and the motto for me was, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat the system. I'm going to prove myself. And that started a chain reaction of, of trying to be like the elder brother, doing the right thing. So I would, um, you know, try to make the best grades, try to be the best athlete, try to be the best partier, try to be the best, I mean, like, you know, just the extreme on every front. And it wears you down, wore me out. So by the time landed in ministry as a pastor, it's like, you know, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to win. Victory. I'm a warrior. Okay? And because of that, it just builds up this desire to, to prove yourself to others, which is so, so contrary to the gospel, uh, to this story, and which that is so, so contrary to the world we live in. I mean, if we're really honest, honest all of us are struggling, and not all of us have been left out, but all of us. You know, from a, from a senior or junior in high school, um, even, you know, I'm, 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 I get little visions of this from my fifth grader, you know, trying to prove themselves. And I think that's what is called or part of this innate inherited sin that's in us. You know, we have this thing that can't, we can't wipe it out. So like the guy, my coach counselor said, well, how can you, can you stop trying to prove yourself? I said, no. And this was a month ago. I said, it's like cancer. Like, I really look deep. It's everywhere. It's, it's, it's everywhere. How do you stop? How do you stop trying to earn your salvation? How do you stop what the Bible would call works righteousness? How do you stop trying to prove yourself? So we did another exercise, and I want to I show you all this. Because it really... I don't do this a lot. Maybe I should, but I want to do a little, I want to use some props, okay? So, you didn't know I was going to take this up. Can I? Watch out. Watch the mic. Keys note. Actually, I need. Yeah, sorry. There you go. Yeah, there you go. She, sorry, I didn't give you the cue. That glass is empty. Okay. So, use this chair here. I brought my favorite pillow. From my house. It's navy. No. It's, uh, we like red and navy, the house. Anyway, so, so this pillow, same exercise I did, okay, a month ago. And 
I mean, I'm not recommending you do it, but it actually did really impact me. So this pillow, he said, okay, guy gave it to me. He said, I want you to hold on this pillow really tight because this pillow represents that motto, I'm going to beat the system. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to prove myself. And I've held on to it for so long. I mean, it's like second nature, you know, uh, because of, again, other things, you know, going back, I've been like, you know, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show y'all. I'm going to beat this. So this is very, very comfortable for me, even though it's very, very uncomfortable because I've lived this way for so long. I'm going to hold on to this motto. I am, I'm going to beat the system. You know, just going to. I'm going to win. So how do you let it go? And it's like, I, I can't. I can't. Okay. I said, all right. So pull up a chair. And you've got to use your imagination here. And, you know, if you're like, this is stupid, you know, I'm sorry, it impacted me, so the Lord put it on my heart. If you're like, you know, I couldn't do, you know, I do suggest uh, sometimes we have to get literal and physical to get some things in, in Scripture. So he said, so this chair, Jesus Christ is sitting in this chair. Jesus Christ, who is risen, so Jesus Christ, I mean, I love that stained glass window, but not shepherd Jesus on earth, King Jesus, his throne, he's King, King Jesus. So you love Jesus, right? He's asking me. I said, yes, I love Jesus. Okay. So you're, you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. So we sit at the feet of Jesus, like so, and did this. And, you know, and, and, and you're holding on to, though, you're actually holding on to sin, holding on to trying to prove yourself, even to Jesus, who is God, your creator, sustainer, all that stuff I've been taught and even preached, but it's still, it's hard for it to just get real. And so, you know, he says, look at the chair. I mean, Jesus is there, King Jesus. And so now, can, can he take this? Can he take the pillow? Can he take, yes, I know he can take it. I know he wants to take it. So then the only question is, you know, will I, will I give it to him? Well, I'll let go. You know. and, and what this really helped me with is, you know, we all want this true freedom. So what is, what is your, what's your pillar? So he can take it. He wants to take it. Will you let it go? Yeah, there. I mean, we get a shot. Okay. He takes it. He takes it. Now, this is not as uh, dramatic or emotional uh, as the first time. Uh, and it was, frankly, quite emotional for me. Um, so what do I do to get the cancer out of my system? Because the cancer, I can stand up, tell the story, the cancer's still there. You know what I do? I actually revert back to the memory of that other chair up in Franklin, Tennessee, and me sitting there, and imagine Jesus was there, and handing over the pillow. And the literal representation, it is like, let it go. Give it to him. What do I give to him? For me, it is the motto, the motto I made, I'm going to beat the system. I'm, I'm killing that. I have to kill it day by day. So if I kill it day by day, that means there is much more freedom. Uh, there's much more freedom, just life in general, as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, I mean, I like y'all, but, you know, I'm not as much trying to prove myself to y'all and 
You know, I mean, I want you all to like me, but I don't really care as much if you all like me or not. I mean, I really don't. And if you don't like this, I mean, this impacted me, and God called me to be pastor of this church. So, period. You need to like, amen. Now, what I would recommend for you is really, really trying to see that we all have our pillows, okay? Forgive the, you know, expression. We all have our, our pillows, and sometimes we hold on to them tight. You know, what is it for you? I can't name it out. I mean, I could if I spent time with you, and, and some of you, you know, you know, seek that out, and I'm, I'm here as pastor. I want to get to know what the Lord's doing, what he's done over the last three months. But I would say, y'all have a pillow, and it, it can be, it is, it's like a cancer in us. Like, we can't, we can't get it out. Like, even if, okay, I let it go, I throw the pillow, well, the next day, you know, I find myself coming back. What do you do? Uh, for me, I mean, it really helps having a, a physical, literal image and just, you know, giving it. He is king. You know, I believe that. He's sitting on the throne. He loves me. I'm his servant. And, and there you go. And so back to God's word, the prodigal son. Or I like it, the parable. Some people call it, you know, the parable of the three brothers. There is um, there's the younger brother. There's the elder brother. And there's Jesus, uh, who Paul and later in Scripture calls or refers to our, our elder brother who died for us because he's son of God, and when we receive him, we're sons of God. And so, anyway. But so much uh, of our lives are spent trying to prove ourselves. So much uh, of the elder brother is in us. And, and I would say the whole deal about Christianity, in Jesus, you have nothing to prove. There, there's nothing that you can do uh, to earn the king's love for you. Nothing you can do. Uh, be a good vocalist, be part of the worship team, mission trips. There's nothing you can do. Now, often, folks would say, what are you saying? You mean like I do nothing to, to get God's love or Jesus or salvation to be a Christian? Well, no, but you do have to receive. I mean, think about it, if someone gives you a present. I mean, you can either take it or not take it. And so at the end here, I, I really believe that the father is trying to give to the elder brother, showing all that he's given him. And the elder brother, we don't know if he receives it or not. We don't know if he's willing to step into the party. We don't know if he is willing uh, to party at the party. And for folks in this church, for myself, I don't want us to miss out on the party. I don't want us to miss out on the party. And, and I know we got a party in heaven, okay? Uh, and sometimes we're like, man, all we're going to do is party in heaven. And uh, yes, but you know, some of us have the mentality we might have, you might, God might use that elder brother mentality. It's like, here's a sword, you know, there's a minion of demons, you know, go take them out. I mean, I, I, hope, I hope I have those days too in heaven, you know, and just go take them out and then go party again. But there's a party on earth too. There's a party in this life as well. Um, whether, you know, you can look at Scripture and Jesus saying, come to me all you are weary and you'll find rest. Or he's talking about the abundant life. And the party is true freedom. It's letting go of the pillow in your life. It's letting go of what it is you're trying to prove. It's just letting go. Say, man, I am, you know, I'm not only a child of the king, but I have a mission from the king. I have life from the king. And that's, and that's also not saying be, be a slob or a glutton or, you know, be a, a couch potato, you know. For 72 hours through the fall, you know, from Thursday night to, to Friday morning watching football. You know, it's like, oh, I'm resting in Christ. Okay, I get that, okay. 
What I am saying is your work can be a joy too. Uh, your work for the Lord. Uh, I talked about this last week, the work God's gifted you to do. And if it's a burden, then yeah, you probably need some rest. Uh, but to live for Him in, in every aspect, uh, in life, in recreation, in family, in marriage, in relationships, and walk freely and boldly. It's what I, I call serene confidence. You know, that I'm, I'm a son and daughter of the King, and I don't have to prove anything to anybody on this earth. Can you do that? Yes, you can. Simple closing question. Uh, are you missing out on the party? Are you missing out on the party? You're like, well, well I'm a Christian. I'm, not, I'm, I'm giving you in a different way a salvation call. Are you missing out on the party? The party of Christ that he wants to have where you feel joy. You feel like you know, the, the burdens are lifted. There is nothing to prove. It's, I, I have felt this. And it's, it's a lot better. I mean, we can go back and go to our phones or our emails or our jobs or JA or prep or wherever you go to school and keep proving ourselves. I'm trying to get you off the hamster wheel because I'm getting off. <laughs> and it's a challenge. I mean, I've got to remind myself to get up. I'm trying to get us off the hamster wheel. You have nothing to prove. The Lord is he is your father. He loves you. He's got a great life for you. Nothing to prove. Are you going to the party? Are you missing out on the party? Ask yourself that. If you are, we're about to take communion. Let go. Let go in your mind. Come talk to me. Come talk to um, other folks in this church, elders, staff. We want you to let it go. Give it to Jesus. The only way I can is I keep going back to my chair, the chair y'all didn't see, and give it away. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there are a lot of uh, pillows in this church body. There's a lot of folks in this church, in other churches, uh, in this community, trying to prove themselves, and then we start comparing ourselves to one another, and there's just, there's just no freedom. And it is, it is a hamster cycle, and it, life becomes a burden, church becomes a burden, uh, you become a burden, and that's just not the gospel. It's just not what we see in Scripture. It's not what we see in this parable. Yes, you, you ran to the younger brother. Uh, and yes, you pleaded with the elder brother, come to the party. Give it to me. I just I pray people would, would give it to you. We can't, the other trap we can fall into is trying to um, erase it or um, just figure out our own version of chemo to treat the cancer that's in us. And sometimes that version is just to do more and do better and to work harder. And I just won't get it out. Pray we give it to you, Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our King. It's in your name we pray. Amen.